listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we're dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you're listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm really glad that the, the timing of that word was really, um, really fits with some, some things that the Lord has really directed me to begin to minister on. And really excited about this, what I'm, what I'm getting ready to share. And God's put this on my heart actually for months. And I'm just now getting to a point to where I feel like I'm supposed to release it. And I'm really, really excited. Uh, it's going to be really awesome. Some new revelation uh, that has come to me in the last months. And uh, is going to be new to some of you. But I believe it's going to really help propel us into what the Lord has for us. And so that I don't forget, uh, if you want, you can go ahead and find your place in Matthew chapter 16. And you can also find the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is uh, back right after Ezra, so it's Ezra Nehemiah, back where the pages are stuck together for some people because maybe they don't read there too often. So in the Old Testament is where you'll find the book of Nehemiah, and we're going to be, hopefully, if time allows, we'll be uh, pulling from those two places. But the Lord began to speak to me about the fact that he he has built a church or he's given the plans for a church, and we find this in... Matthew chapter 16, which we're going to read here in a moment. And he said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What I see when I see the church in the earth right now is I see, and I'm not trying to be uh, hard by saying this. I'm just being honest. I see a church that's weak. I don't mean you guys, praise God, you're the cream of the crop, but by and large, I see a church that's weak. I see a church that doesn't know who she is. She's lost her identity. She's lost her ways. She's been caught up into uh, much performance and a lot of uh, religious works and into entertainment, all, all kinds of things like that when you look at the church by and large. And so when I see the church, I see that it's living at a much lower level than what Jesus described in the Bible. And so I'm, I'm saying that as a reality check for where we're at, but I'm also saying that with hope in my heart because when Jesus says that he's going to do something, you can bet that it's going to happen because God's word always comes to pass. And when he said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, He meant that that was going to happen. Jesus is the designer of the church. He's given us everything we need to be able to work with him to build the church that he's called us to build. And in this hour, I'm telling you that there is revelation, and I'm going to release much of it to you in the the weeks to come. There is much revelation that God is releasing into the church to help her become who she is really designed to be. We are going to grab a hold of the true identity that we have in him, and it's also going to help us be able to function at the level that he wants us to function. All of the supernatural things that you've seen in the early church, This is going to sound like a stretch to some of you, but what you saw in the Bible, we are going to see in greater measure in the days to come. And the only reason we haven't so far is because we've lost our identity. We've lost understanding of what we, what we really are and who we really are. And I believe that we're sequencing back to a pure stream and a pure flow of what God has said his church is supposed to be and what Jesus has designed his church to look like. And so we are, and we've been doing it for a long time, but as we're coming close to the end, we are coming right in line with what God says his church is supposed to be. And I read this in a book recently and it was really helpful. And when you see the, and it was a good analogy for what I was reading, and when you see uh, rivers many times, and there's one in particular in South Africa, which I've never been there, but I've read about this river, 
that it flows from high up in the mountains. I think it's called the Umji River. Uh, and anyways, when you're up in the mountains, and again, I've never been there. I've just read about this. When you're up in the mountains and you could go to that river, you could go to the source of the river, and it's so crystal clear and pure and clean that you could drink from it. But what has happened is that as that water has come down the mountain, there's been other streams and other flows that have been brought into it. And what happens is that if you drink the water down at the base of the mountain or out from the mountain, it's so diluted that it will actually cause you to become sick if you drink from it. And I liken this to exactly how the church has been. So many people have been involved with, with a weak, uh, anemic, uh, uh, diseased church And so they've come in and they've only come out full of bitterness, full of wrath, full of hurt, full of all kinds of problems. And it's because the flow of God's church has been so diluted through religious works, through entertainment, that we've lost the initial flow. We've lost the initial cleanliness of what God has really designed his church to look like. And I'm telling you prophetically that the church of Jesus is going to rise up. We are going back to that flow that God has originally designed us to be in, and we will be everything, the purity of the church is going to be there and the power of the church is going to be there working together to be everything that God says that she is going to be. I have tremendous hope in my heart that when Jesus said, I will, then it will be done. And if he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, you can bet that it's going to happen. What are gates? Gates are defensive mechanism. Gates are used to stop something. And I, although I believe w- during that time when Jesus spoke that there were physical, physical gates, it's also an, a, an analogy, an allegory for gates that are holding back literally the seven spheres of influence that we're working to influence. Because when you see, especially right now, when you look at media and when you look at the the family, when you look at academia and so many things, you can see that hell has invaded those areas. You can see that hell has actually taken over some of those those things and they're they're full of lies, they're full of deception and they don't, the, the, the revelation of who Jesus is in the gospel is not a part of it. But Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how is that? It's because the church is on the offense and the kingdom of hell or the kingdom of darkness is on the defense. They don't have powerful weapons. Satan doesn't have any powerful weapons. He has lies and he has deceptions. And when the church comes into the true revelation of who she really is, we will storm the gates of hell and every mountain will then become the mountain of the Lord. Every mountain will be influenced by us, the influencers, because we are caught up in the pure stream of who God has really designed us to be. Hallelujah. Can you tell I've been a little bit excited about what the Lord's got for us? And you know what he spoke to me? This is what he told me, and this is how I'm phrasing it, is that we, the church, are the ones that hell could not stop. And I'm prophetically declaring that over us and the church worldwide. We, we are the ones that hell could not stop. How is it that hell won't stop us? Because as far as I can see, hell's been, hell has been invading the church instead of church invading hell for a long time. It's because we're coming back to a pure, right, true understanding of what the church of Jesus is really supposed to look like. And he said, I've called you out from among them. God has called his church out to look different than the world not to look like the world. 
We're not supposed to try to emulate the world to get them to like us. We're supposed to emulate Jesus so that the world will have something when they come to us. Because if we're just like the rest of the world, we don't have anything to give them when they come and they're looking and they're seeking for help. I believe this whole time that we're living in, looking at coronavirus and all of the, all of the craziness in our world, it has revealed where the church really is at as a whole. And basically the church, the world looks at the church like a cancerous appendage that just needs to be cut off. They don't view us as anything as being really a, a viable option for having solutions in the world. But I believe differently about what Jesus says about us. We have the answers. We know what needs to happen for the world to be turned right side up. Amen. And it doesn't matter how dark it gets out in the world. We are going to continue getting brighter and brighter and brighter because we're connected with him. And I'm going to say something else here prophetically that's very strong. We're living in a time, this is really strong language. So you're just going to have to ask the Holy Ghost. You're just going to have to take your blender out. And you're going to have to put it in there and you're going to have to blend it up and just drink the meat that way. I don't know another way to say it. But I believe we're living in a time. Now, listen to me really carefully. And I believe we're living in a time to where if people will not allow God to prune them personally, they're going to get pruned out. You say, am I going to hell? Nope. Not talking about that. Not talking about that. Once you get born again, your salvation is sealed. And praise God, you have eternal redemption. I don't have time to get into that. I'm not talking about you being pruned out to where God's not going to have anything to do with you. I'm talking about that if, if you don't come in line, if people don't come in line with what God is releasing in the earth, and you don't allow him to prune you, this is really strong language, I know. But I'm telling you, I know in my knower then God will essentially prune you out of works that are going on in the earth that are in the true stream and true flow of what God's doing. And you say, well, who do you think you are? Listen, I'm not the Holy Ghost and I'm not the one to prune anybody. I don't have to prune anybody. That's not my job. That's the Holy Ghost job. This doesn't apply to just the to just the church members. This applies to leadership. As a matter of fact, it applies more to leaders. Three years ago, and I was, I was dealing with and wrestling with some things, to say the least. And, and, I, and I knew what I had to do. I knew the fear I had to overcome, and I knew what I needed to deal with. And the Lord spoke to my heart so clearly. And he said, if you won't do this, I'll find somebody else who will. There's a difference, and I'm going to give more revelation of this in, in the days and weeks to come. So please hang with me. Don't anyone walk out of here today and go, boy, there's, look, there's more, there's more to come. But you have to understand this. There is a difference between being a son of God and being in the army of God. You come in as a son or daughter, and one day the army of the Lord will not be necessary anymore. And you are going to end in eternity as being a son, as being a daughter, as being one loved by God. But he has a job to do in between those times that requires people to step in line with him and say, sir, I will do whatever it is that you're asking me to do. And we went through a time period in this church and it's continuing. And I believe we're going to be hit round two where we were saying, yes, yes, yes. And most of it was, we were having these dreams 
that were the most revealing things. And all of us were dealing with junk in our own heart. Who in here could relate to some of that that was taking place in here? Look at that. Probably at least half of you. And God was just supernaturally uh, dealing with our hearts together because he had something for us to do together. And praise God for that. But you know what he's also continuing to ask us is, will you say yes to me? Will you say yes to me? If I'm asking you to lay it down, will you lay it down? If I'm asking you to move forward, will you move forward? Will you say yes to me? And you can say no to God and he'll still love you. My kids say no to me sometimes, only once. No, sometimes they say no to me. And you know what? It doesn't change my love for them whatsoever. But you know, when I have a, when I have a job to do, if they're not at the point to where they're willing and ready to be trained, I'll say, excuse me, I've got something that needs to be done. Does that depict my heart as a father? No, it depicts my heart as the one working to build, to get something done, working as a general in the army, if you will, to get a job done. God has a job that has to be done in the earth, and he's looking for people to do it. We have to be able to divide out. And I'm going to give you very clear descriptions of these different things. When you look in the, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but when you look in the book of Ephesians, you will find lace throughout Ephesians and really throughout the New Testament. And I believe Ephesians is really a blueprint for what a New Testament church looks like. I've heard many great ministers say that over the years. But in that church, you will find seven pictures of what the church really looks like. And I shared this before, but it bears repeating, and I want, I, do, I want to say it again. But if you witnessed a crime and the perpetrator got away, the police would come to you if you were an eyewitness, and they would say, can you give a description, please, of what you saw and what the person looked like that did the crime? Maybe they robbed a gas station or something. And they would ask you for a description. And if you said, you know, the person had a, a red shirt on and it had big poofy hair, well, that would give you some description, but not a whole lot of description. But if you said the person had a red shirt on and big poofy hair and their hair was brown and they were a male and they were about five foot nine and they weighed about 160 pounds and they had white tennis shoes on and they were wearing khakis, now that would be a much better description. And if you were one that was looking to help find the perpetrator, which one would give you a better picture of what that perpetrator looked like? It would be the one that has more description. So let me just say, the church by and large has, under, has not even understood, but has only referred to itself as an army sometimes, and it's really not understood that, but I'm going to give you what revelation God has given me in the weeks to come. It's seen itself as, as an army, as a body, as a very common term we use, as a family, sometimes as a bride. But we have no understanding of... Uh, hardly of a temple, of a governmental assembly. And what's the other one I'm missing, please? There's one more that I'm missing. I can't think off the top of my head, even though I've been looking at them for weeks and months. But anyways, there's all of these pictures. Don't miss me here is, is my point. There's all these pictures that describe what the church really looks like. And what happens is that people come in to a local body and it's like, we're family, we're family, we're family. We love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. And then when it comes to the point where we're like, okay, let's march and do this thing. And it's like, well, that just seems so harsh. I don't know why you're like that. That's because now we're operating as an army. Now we have a military campaign that's taking place. It's, it's not about the family right now. Are we still a family? Yes. 
But for the moment, we're acting as the army because that is a true representation. It's a true picture of who the church really is. And you know, one of the things too is that the, the, the Bible says that there is a, there's a temple, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you know that there's a level of anointing and presence and glory in the temple of God that we have yet to really come into understanding of and operate in the way the Lord wants us to. Why? Because sometimes we just think about a body. Sometimes we just think about a family. Sometimes people just think about an army. I've been around uh, people, especially like very evangelistic pastors, to where they are, they're like, we got to move. We got to win souls. We got to go. 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 And eventually the people get so worn out because they haven't been in the temple in the presence of God being filled up with who he is and seeing him for, for his, his glory and seeing the gifts of the spirit operate. They haven't seen that. And then you have this whole other picture of the bride that comes in. And I said I wasn't going to talk about this, but here I'm talking about it. You have the whole picture of the bride. And the bride is this wonderful picture of how you have this, you have this bride. And if you look at books like Hosea and Song of Solomon that depict the bride of Christ and about how we were wayward and we were out and we were basically a harlot tied to the world. And yet our lover came and saved us and delivered us from that world and cleaned us and made us right. And so we have this picture of our connection with him, which got, some guys are like, well, I don't really like that. Well, the Bible calls us this. Sorry, guys, you're part of the bride too. And my point with all, this, all of this, and I'll get into more of that in, in the weeks to come, my point with all this is we have to broaden our understanding of what the church really is, who the church really is. And the way we do that is we take the word of God and we, we begin to unfold all of the things that are in the word. Because we've, we've looked at things from a certain perspective for so long that we've become inoculated to other revelations that are in the church that need to be there for us to be everything and do everything that God has called us to do. Amen. Are you all tracking with me so far? Okay, everybody say, I'm tracking with you. And I'm going to keep tracking with you. So we are the ones that hell, and I believe this is a prophetic statement, could not overcome. It's not just that hell cannot overcome us, but hell could not overcome us. Because at the end of our life, at the end of the days, we're going to be able to see the church of the Lord Jesus standing strong, the redeemed ones with him. And it will be said, hell could not overcome those people because they were tied to him and they built with him. They stuck with his design. They stuck with his intention. And here they are standing strong as overcomers. If you look in the book of Revelation, there's a whole uh, entire verses dedicated to what will happen, promises that are given for the ones that overcome. And that, you know what? I didn't even know all, all of the details about why God called us overcomers. I just knew that he said that will be the name of the church, that we are overcomers. And we're gonna, we are going to overcome. We're going to overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And we're going to be at the very end saying, look what Jesus did through us. We didn't get smushed down. We didn't get knocked down. We didn't get knocked out. But we're still trusting in Jesus. And we made it all the way to the very end. We're going to have longevity in this thing. Amen. So I want to show you a few things. Look here in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Can you all hang with me for a few more minutes? Matthew 16. And we know these verses well. I quote them often. But they've just come up, become more alive to me. And I really truly believe it's the fivefold ministry's job to take hold of revelation from the word and help the church take it, apply it, and walk and move in it. And so Matthew chapter 16, the guys may not have the first couple verses up here. I want to go back to verse 13 because this all ties in. 
It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, I want to, say, I want to stop here, and I want to give you a little bit of history. This might take, take a, a couple minutes to explain this, but this is really important. So remember when I talked about the gates of hell uh, being literal and being figurative. So figurative are the, the, the gates that hell or the enemy has thrown up defense because he has influence in those areas. And so it's the church's job to go and bust through the gates, gain influence on those areas to affect the hearts and the minds of people. But also it's really important to understand that here at Caesarea Philippi, if I'm saying it right, was a place that Jews didn't go. And the reason that Jews didn't go is because it was a stronghold for, uh, for hundreds of years where they built temples and they built places of worshiping the false gods, they had been doing it in this particular area for a lot of years. So here you have Jesus takes his disciples who were Jewish and takes them to a place that Jews didn't normally go. And he tells them that the gates of hell, well, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we can take that figuratively to look at the places that hell is influencing, but we can also go back and look that it was literal gates and it was noted and it was labeled and talked about as a portal to hell. And the reason why is that there was a temple uh, to Zeus, there was a temple to um, one of the other Greek gods, and then there was a temple to Pan. And Pan was into, get this, Pan was into bestiality with goats. And they had entire worship stuff that was set up. And Jesus was at the place where all of this, this nasty worship was going on, this, this worshiping false gods was going on. And he said, I'll build my church. So they were looking at physical structures, many of them that had been there for hundreds or maybe even thousands of years. And he was saying, look, I'm going to build my church. And it's not about a building that's, that's, that's a physical building, but it's what I place inside of the people. I will build them, and these gates, which you're seeing going on here, they will not prevail against it. As powerful and as long-standing as these monuments have been here, what I'm building is going to be better and stronger and even longer-lasting than what the gates of hell, than what Satan has been able to establish. Now, here's something that's really, really important that you understand and how this applies to us today. When it comes to the, the reason that people got into um, disgusting things like that, some of it was, was very, it was all sinful. Some of it was overtly sinful. And some of it was a measure of people trying to appease their conscience by doing some form of worship to make them right with whatever God they served. So what you found there was you found a all flesh. It was all flesh, but you found people getting into entertainment. It was very gross forms of entertainment. I can't understand why anyone would think they'd be entertaining, but it was a form of entertainment. But then also for some of them and some of the worship they were doing to false gods, it was about appeasing their conscience through the works that they did. And this goes all the way back to the very, uh, to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2. Listen to me now. This is very important. He writes in Colossians chapter 2, and he says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, through empty deceit, through the traditions of men, and listen to this, through the basic principles of the world. What are the basic principles of the world? It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. What did Satan do to them in the garden? He got them to believe. He got them to question their identity. They were already like God. But he said, the day that you eat of this tree, then you will be like God. So number one, he got them to question their identity. That's a basic principle of the world. The next thing he did 
after they ate of the tree, because they questioned it, they ate of the tree. It says the eyes, their eyes were open and they knew that they were naked. There's a great book. Andrew Walmack has a great book called Who Told You You Were Naked, which is very funny and catching in it, but it's a very good book. And it's based on this principle. And so then immediately they knew that they were naked is what the Bible tells us. They knew that they were naked. And then what did they do? They took fig leaves to try to cover themselves up. And here you see a basic principle of the world is shame and self-effort. Human beings automatically, everybody understands shame because of what we've done or what we thought because of our flesh having at some point has had a hold of us or we struggled with it or whatever. It has caused shame to come to us. And then what happens next is that people enter into self-effort to try and cover up that shame. Every world religion that exists today is based off of these two principles. Shame, revealing people's unworthiness, and then self-effort to try to cover it up. Buddhism, Hinduism, Confucianism, any other ism you could throw in there, all of those things, every world religion has a form of you're not right, and this is what you need to be. This is what you need to do in order to be right. It's a basic principle of the world. And Paul said, now listen to me. Paul said, beware lest you be cheated, lest you be deceived, and people bring you into a basic principle of the world, which is what? Shame and self-effort. And you know what's been happening in the world for a long time? Is we have had people that have been in entertainment in the church They've been doing entertaining things. I'm telling you, folks, most churches you go to, they are caught up into entertaining people. If you haven't figured it out, I don't give a rip about entertaining anybody. I care about entertaining God through worship, but I don't care about entertaining people. The church, by and large, has been caught up into entertainment, and it's been caught up into self-works. The church of the Lord Jesus, instead of coming out from among them, coming out from among who? The rest of the world, how the world operates, how the world functions, how the world is stuck in a place of shame and self-effort. Instead of coming out from among them and being a peculiar, set-apart people who know they're gone, who know their God, who their God is and who they know who they are because of them. They act just like the rest of the world. We have entire denominations that are set up on the same principles that are in the world as the rest of the world is. You did something wrong, now you have to do something to atone. But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is set up completely different. The true church is you can't do enough to be right with God. You have to put your trust in Jesus. But when you put your trust in Jesus, not only will he deal with your past, he'll deal with your present, and he'll even deal with your future tense because that's how powerful the blood of Jesus really is. And when the church grabs a hold of who she really is, the true gospel of Jesus, we are going to, I'm telling you, we're going to get it and we're going to take off and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Because what people have, amen. What people have when they see the church, they only see what every other religion offers, which is you're telling me I'm wrong and I have to do something to be right. The world doesn't want that. And the world doesn't need that because there's not enough right stuff we could do to atone for all of the wrong that we've done. The only thing that can atone for the wrong that we've done is putting faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. So when the church gets a hold of, or better put, when the gospel gets a hold of the church, then the church will run with full force and we will see the entire world affected positively, rightly, to bring people into right relationship with Jesus. 
we've had, we've had the wrong message. We've had a message in the church that has said, come here and we're going to entertain. Man, most entertainment in the church is horrible. You'd be more entertained going to bars, and that's why people will go to bars. That's why they'll go to concerts or to hockey games or baseball games. I'm not against some of those things are okay or whatever. But they're trying to get, the church is trying to look like the rest of the world. They feel like they have to entertain them. You see what I'm talking about? Bring them in, sit them down, sing three songs, stand up, do this, do that, da 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 Certain feels, certain lighting, which we like some of that stuff. There's nothing wrong with it. But whether it goes right or doesn't go right, our focus is on Jesus. Our focus is on just being with him, just worshiping him, just loving him. It's not about entertaining people. I've had people come at me, not any of you guys, but over the years, because I wasn't doing things entertaining enough. They wouldn't have said it like that. But they're like, well, you just, you just preach too long. If you think I preach too long, then go home early. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do and I'm going to say what God has told me to say. And I know that backsides can only take so long. I get that. Eutychus fell out the window because Paul preached well past midnight. I get it. I understand. There is a flesh side to us. But I'm not going to disobey God to appease man. I fear God more than I fear man. So the entertainment thing has got to be totally thrown out of the church. But you know what also needs to be thrown out of the church? And every single person in here, I promise you, if you've been involved in church for more than, unless you've been coming here, if you've been involved in a church for more than a year, you have been involved with a basic principle of the world called religion that brings you into shame and self-effort. You're not right. You have to work to be right. But once you get a hold of the revelation of the gospel of Jesus, you'll go, oh my gosh, I can't be right enough. I can't do enough. But Jesus did it for me. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling I'm this, I'm this, this is what the gospel is what wakes me up in the morning and what puts me down at night and, and what causes me to, to be excited like I am. <laughs> if you're not catching what I'm putting down, hang with me and I'm going to keep putting it down for a lot of weeks to come. I believe in a powerful church that Jesus has called us to be a powerful church that Jesus has called us to operate in and to literally take over the world around us. But we can't do it if we have entertainment, and we can't do it if we've got religious systems of works. It doesn't, it, it doesn't work. And by the way, if we're winning people and bringing them into what we're doing, what are we bringing them into? I got to be honest with you. Man, this is strong. I've had enough strong language today that you just you need to bring your blender for about the next two months to church, okay? <laughs> Bam. I just have to think about things sometimes. <sighs> Let's just keep moving on. <laughs> sometimes going back to the notes is a safe place because I wrote down nothing offensive here on my notes. If we're bringing people into, here's a better way to say it. If we're bringing people into what we're doing, I would say it could be a form of false prophecy, false teaching, definitely a false gospel. If we're going out and we're saying, come have what we're having, and we bring them into entertainment, and we bring them into a system of works, what have we brought them into? We brought them into everything that the Apostle Paul laid down his life to fight for. 
If you're like, what are you talking about? Go read Galatians and Romans and Hebrews and read it like 40 times. And this will get so inside of you that you'll be like, oh my gosh, the vast majority of people, and I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm not saying God doesn't love them. But the vast majority of people, the vast majority of churches are delivering people out of one system of works into another system of works, out of one form of entertainment into another form of entertainment. That's not a good thing at all. I thank God for the mercy of God. This is serious stuff, but I'm really serious about doing what God's asked me to do. So I'm going to start, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to nibble on this for a couple minutes. <laughs> We're the ones that hell could not overcome. And I'm going to say that a bunch. Amen. He said, I will build my church. And actually I started preaching. I didn't even finish reading this. Let's go back to the scriptures. Matthew 16 and 14. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are, Christ, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. I want to point something out here that's, that's imperative. And I'm going to pray as we finish today. I'm going to pray over you for this very specific thing. And that's where we'll quit. But he said, you are blessed because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father who's in heaven. Blessing comes from revelation that comes from the Lord. Personal. He was saying, and if you go and study this out, he was saying, my father in heaven revealed this to you. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you. What he was saying was that you had a personal encounter with the heavenly father where he took the curtain and he pulled the curtain back so you could see what he was wanting to reveal to you. And he was saying flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven, you were blessed because of this. The very first what I'm, what I'm talking about here, and you're going you're gonna to see this more as I, as I continue going, I've been trying to figure out how to package all of what's in me into just, I couldn't do it all in one week. There's, there's too much that I have to, to reveal to you. Too much that God has placed in me that I'm like, that, I got to get this out. And so it's, it's hard to get, it, to get it all out. But I'm talking about having a complete reformation in the church. I'm talking about the face of the church completely being washed out and going back to the original design of what God said it's supposed to look like. You could ask, do you have a full revelation? I don't have a full revelation about anything, but I got quite a bit of revelation about this. And I'm seeing what he said, and then I'm seeing what we're doing and what's happening, and I'm like, what he said isn't happening. We're not affecting the world like we need to. We're not overcoming hell. We're not storming the gates of hell like we need to. What are we missing? And I don't, I don't, I mean, there could be some people that they just, they just need to get, 
They need to get a hold of the gospel. Once you get a hold of the gospel, the gospel gets a hold of you. That will really change a lot of things. That will really, really help you. But you have to have God reveal things to you. The church was never meant, and it is not established on just people saying some words or going to a service. It's about people that have revelation from him. They've encountered him. They know him personally. And so the only way we can discover the things that are in the spirit is that God has to reveal them to you. But we have to come to a place to where we are dissatisfied. And this is one of the foundations for pursuing and pioneering anything in your life is when you are dissatisfied with the current state of something that God has called you to be involved in. And look, I'm, I, don't misunderstand me. I love you. I'm passionate about you. I'm passionate about what God is doing here. When I see the church as a whole, I'm very dissatisfied with what I see. When I listen to things that ministers are saying today across the board about all kinds of things, not just, not just recent things, but all kinds of things, I think, my God, what has happened to the church? It has no backbone. Ministers are so afraid of people. They're afraid of losing people. Man, that's not the spirit of Jesus. Man, you look at Jesus. He said the most ridiculous stuff. And people would just walk away. And then he would turn to the other ones who heard him say the same ridiculous stuff and say, you going to leave me too? He was more concerned about honoring God and honoring the spirit that was within him than he was trying to appease man. And we have to come, we have to come out of that. We've been so inundated with that because of religious systems that have been in the church for so long. We just almost don't even know what it looks like. So how do we see what it looks like? We have to have the Holy Spirit peel the curtains back, peel the, peel the, the, the layers of whatever that are in the way from, from us really truly seeing, God, this is your church. This is what you designed it to look like. And this is the way that you want us to move and, and be and be with you and affect the whole world. You know what I need to do? This is what I need to do. I need to, I need to just lay hands on you guys. That's what I'm going to do. So, because there is so much that comes, impartation comes two, way, two ways. It comes from teaching, but it also comes from laying hands on. And I've revealed some things to you, but you need a touch from God to where he reveals things to you. And, and don't take me wrong. It's not like I'm looking at you thinking you guys are just a bunch of blinded whatever. I'm not saying that. You guys are, I'm seriously, the cream of the crop. I'm not, when I hear other churches and stuff, and I listen to the pastors, and I look at all the troubles they have, I think, man, I don't have that kind of stuff. And, pe and people with, you know, churches like this size and the, the amount of money that comes in, they can't do anything. Man, we can do anything we want to do. Anything that God puts in our heart, we just have money. You guys are incredible givers. I could go on and on and on. But I believe that the Lord wants us to go to another level. He wants to see more accurately, more clearly, exactly what he's, he's wanting, exactly what he's wanting to reveal. I have so much in my, in my heart. I, had, I only got to there on my notes, and I had all of that. And that's not even all of the notes. I don't even have them all written out yet. And so anyways, I just got so much that's in me. Am I, am I making sense to you guys? Am I, am I relaying? Because, you know, sometimes when you have something so alive in you, it's hard to put words into it. But I, I just see, and that's, that's part of the apostolic call in me, is that I'm I'm, I really will never be satisfied until Jesus returns and sets everything right. But I'm just going to keep moving forward, working that direction all the way until the very end. That's just what, that's just what we do. And hey, we need people to help us do that. 
I have been lawed to sleep enough over the years in, in church from really good-hearted, loving people and gained some wonderful things from them. But I want us to be everything that God says we're supposed to be. That's what I want. Who in here wants that? You're like, I want to do the, the whole kit and caboodle. Amen. So this is what I want to do. Uh, I just want, Kingston, could you come up and uh, just pick on the guitar a little bit? It would be awesome. Uh, I want to just, if you say this is for me, and I want, I want, not only do I want to gain more understanding in the weeks to come and have my eyes opened up, but I want to receive an impartation to where God just begins to reveal these things to me. And if that's you, you're like, that's me, then I just want to lay hands on you. I'm going to do it quickly, but I want to lay hands on you. I just want you to come up here and praise God. This is going to be an awesome time of impartation. Thank you, Jesus. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we're making a difference, visit OCIPerryville.com.